welcome to Epic Fails, Finding Redemption in Our Stories. I'm your host, Brittany Rust, and today we have on the show a good friend of mine. Her name is Lindsay Barnett, and not only do I think you'll like her, but I think many out there will be able to relate to her story. But before we jump in, I have some exciting news to share with you all today. I am thrilled to announce that I have signed with Baker Publishing and Chosen Books to write two books, and the first one, The Untouchable Myth, will release next year in 2018. In the book, I share my story, which you heard in episode one, and a valuable lesson I learned in the journey, that to really flourish in life, you have to be willing to admit weakness. You can learn more about this new endeavor by heading over to my website, www.brittanyrust.com. Okay, so let's talk about Lindsay, because she is fabulous. Lindsay is wife to Blake, mama to adorable one-year-old Natalie, and she has, without a doubt, the gift of hospitality. I think I've spent more time at her house than anyone else's, and that's because her home is cozy, the food is yummy, and the company is truly enjoyable. Lindsay struggled with an eating disorder for many years and was on the brink of divorce before God got a hold of her life. But let's hear it from her. Lindsay, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Brittany. I'm really excited. Yeah, well, I'm excited for people to hear your story and your testimony because I think there's going to be some people out there who um, are really going to be encouraged and impacted by it. So thank you. Thanks. Well, let's get started. Lindsay, how about you share with the audience a little bit about your upbringing and what life was like for you growing up? Well, it was just a typical Midwestern middle-class family. I was in a small town with 1,200 people. I had two younger sisters, uh, parents still married today, never have really seen them fight in front of us girls. I'm Catholic, went to church every Sunday, were very involved. My dad actually made me be a lector and read in front of the congregation mm-hmm. many times, and um, I went through the whole catechism class, so I did everything you're supposed to do. Yeah. But our family probably never really talked about God or Jesus any other day of the week. Mm-hmm. And we grew up in the 90s, so everything in our house was fat-free, yeah. and we had all the latest workout equipment in our living room, so like there's the thigh master and... A power rider and like an ab roller, so all sorts of funny equipment. And so, from a very early age, I was just very aware of body image. Yeah. And around my preteen years, I started to get a little chubby, by no means obese, but um, I was never bullied for it because I don't like to use that word very much. But um, very impressionable age. Yeah. So many of the comments that I did get came from family. So those ones just kind of stuck with me. Yeah. And so I went from being this kind of sassy, bossy six-year-old to now a timid, kind of self-conscious ten-year-old, and that cycle just kind of continued from middle school on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can you mention that it kind of started with your family? Can you explain that a little bit more? Yeah, I'm super protective of my mom, so I never want to say anything bad, but I always did look at her as this very thin person who always just had it together. And she had made comments a couple times about just me being bigger than her, like a bigger pant size, or there would be like cousins who would tell me I can't swing on their hammock because I'd break it. So there'd be just like those petty little comments that they probably didn't mean to harm me with, but I mean, as an impressionable age, they just 
stuck to me. Yeah, oh, for sure. I mean, at that age, comments can stick with you for a long time. Yeah. So how did you cope with that? I really started to obsess about weight around sixth grade. And it started by watching this girl in our class who went from being the biggest girl in our grade to losing about probably 50 pounds over the summer. Mm -hmm. And she decided to take me under her wing and she showed me how to count calories and how to binge and purge. And I remember one time just looking over the bathroom stall at recess, watching her throw Mm -hmm. up her lunch. And as mortifying as that is, it's just the way she was showing how to teach me her ways. And so um, on top of that, I decided to add some obsessive working out to speed up the process. And so I just remember several times where I'd skip breakfast and I'd skip lunch and I would go to volleyball practice and then I'd eat something little for dinner just in front of my parents so they knew I was eating something. Mm -hmm. And then I'd go down, my room was down in the basement, so I'd go and I'd purge. And then I would run our basement stairs, which there were 13 of them, And I would run for the entire Spice Girls CD, and that's probably like 40 minutes. And there'd be several times where I would just have to lay on the floor and try not to pass out. Mm. And so I dropped something like 20 pounds in less than two months as a kid. And my mom pulled out a scale, and she told me to step on it, and she said, now that's enough. She said, you look good, and all you have to do is maintain now. And so I heard no concern in her voice all I heard was you look good and so I've always like tried to seek her validation and there was always this just disconnect and so by me being healthy and taking care of my body was kind of a way for us to like bond I Mm. guess you could say yeah um but the maintaining part was really difficult for me because I really like to eat (laughs) yes (laughs) and it was a lot easier to hide a binge and purge episode than it was to be skipping meals and doing double workouts because Mm. you kind of had eyes on you. So that just kind of became my new normal. Yeah. So you're um, a junior high girl and you're experiencing these kind of emotions and then hiding um, this, what you were going through from your family. I'm sure that felt very isolating. Um, Can you maybe talk a little bit about some of the emotions and the mental games you experienced in that season. Yeah, extremely isolating, and depression just sunk in, and I was this good kid keeping this secret, and I knew right from wrong. You know, I I grew up knowing better, and Mm -hmm. so I was just this secret that only I had, and so it was very isolating, and, um, but at the same time, I was getting attention from boys, and I was being asked to sit at the popular table. And so these things that I thought that I really wanted were happening. So I had control over it. And so these episodes of like starving and purging, I thought I had control over, but it, those that like emptiness inside never really fixed anything. Mm-hmm. And I was absolutely never satisfied with what I saw in the mirror, no matter yeah. how thin I got or how hard I worked. So it was pretty sad. Yeah. Um, did the, do you, so you don't feel like the, the eating disorder really did fix anything for you? I mean, you saw some outward advantages, but inwardly it just didn't fix anything that was going on. No, it was just kind of like this tumultuous, like, cycle of, like, okay, I am going to work really hard and get really thin, and as soon as I got as thin as I possibly could be, 
that empty like feeling that you have like was still not satisfying and there was always something more and something else to obsess about well maybe something else to seek validation for exactly yeah so what happened next um you go into high school did you carry that on into high school yeah so the summer before 11th grade is kind of my rock bottom is what I would call it I would start I was starting to drink and party and drinking actually makes you gain weight. So I had this like super depressed summer of just like self-pity and like no self-worth. And while I knew I would never follow through with it, I always thought like, well, if I left this world, would anybody care? So there's mm-hmm. always that thought of like attempts of suicide, but I, I knew I wouldn't follow through. It was more for just like attention kind of thoughts, I guess. But um, that summer... MSN Messenger was the new thing, and this was way before Facebook or any social media, and so I would stay up super late, and I was looking for that validation from other teens in these teen chat rooms, but most of those conversations actually would make me feel worse, so um, I thought I would give some of the the Christian chat rooms a shot. Um, Would you, when you say it made you feel worse, in what way? Well, there's just... You never know if you're talking to a teen, first of all. Mm-hmm. So the the conversations always led to something very inappropriate, mm-hmm. like what was I wearing as, I don't know, how old was I? A 14, 15-year-old girl. Mm-hmm. So those kind of things just give you this icky feeling. and Yeah. You, they never saw a picture of you, so it was just this chatting of like, oh, I love you. Kind of, it was just disgusting. It's weird. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, Creepers. Yeah. So I was hoping that the Christian chat rooms had something better to offer. Mm-hmm. And I started talking to B. Barnes 84, <laughs> and he started talking to, about, to me about Jesus. And he had just returned from a mission trip from Jamaica, so he was just on this spiritual high. He had all these words of like, encouragement and how I can have a relationship with Jesus and how he, he thinks I'm beautiful. And he just started to pour scripture into me. I think he like was talking about song of Solomon's and so all sorts of things that just made me like open my eyes. Hmm. And so we chatted a couple nights and then I was saved hmm. and he helped with my salvation. And I just started to get to really know Jesus at that point. Yeah. And our chats kind of turned into several hour long phone conversations, which had a $350 phone bill on them. <laughs> I'm sure your parents loved <laughs> Yeah, that was not a good conversation. <laughs> but um, I just fell in love with this B Barnes 84. And yeah. he's now my husband of almost nine years. And so that's another story. But my mom also saw this change in me. And mm-hmm. so her and I just started conversations about our faith. And. We started going to women's conference, and we would go to this tech thing, which is Together Encountering Christ, and it was the most amazing, like, bonding experience. So we truly became, like, best friends during that season. And so we were just bonding on a whole new level, and we never even talked about our weight or mm-hmm. any kind of diets. So it was, it was really amazing. Yeah. And so um, Blake and I, we had that long-distant relationship until I finished college, and then I moved to Georgia to be with him while he was finishing up his college and we moved in together we started to fall out of church and sin kind of started to wedge its way into our relationship and so 
we were having sex before marriage and we completely stopped praying together and we were just fighting all the time and my insecurities really resurfaced at that point. Yeah. And so I was notoriously a yo-yo dieter and so I gained something like 25 pounds when I moved to the south to be with him and I was thinking constantly about wanting to purge and I never gave in because I promised myself that after I met him that I would never do that again and he was so aware of my past and he just wouldn't let me go there so he was he was an encourager during that part but at the same time he, he and I were both the issue for each other because we just felt a lot of guilt with the sin that we were living in. And um, so he proposed to me six months after I moved in, and we just planned a, a wedding really shortly. So we just mm-hmm. really wanted to move that process along as fast as possible. Yeah. So kind of going back a little bit, when you made that decision to, to follow Jesus in high school, you then were able to um, move past the eating disorder? Did that stop for you? It really did. Like, it was a healing, a lot of healing, and it took a long time, but my self-image was all wrapped into God's love for me. So I, every time I had moments of weakness, I turned to Scripture, and Blake led me through that entire, like, weak moment in my life. Yeah. So I was just, just falling in love with this, this idea of Jesus, but I was falling in love with the man who was introducing me to Jesus. Yeah. And perhaps that emptiness started to go away because you were being filled with Christ. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So you guys, um, you moved to the South to be with him. Mm-hmm. You were living together, and then he proposed, and you got married. Mm-hmm. Um, but things had started falling apart, correct? Yes. So, in the beginning, it was our honeymoon phase. Everything was so great. Um, and we tried looking for a church around Georgia, but we just kind of never really found the perfect fit. And I was struggling in my career, and so I really only made friends with some of the waitresses and bartenders that I was working at a steakhouse with. So um, Blake saw how unhappy I was and how much I was really missing my family and my friends. So after his graduation, we moved to Minnesota. Which is where you're from. Which is where I'm from. And he got a job in what I like to call a fraternity. (laughs) And he was making way more money than any 20-something-year-old should ever make. And all of his work friends were these single guys who they would stay out late after work. And so I just reconnected with all of my single girlfriends. Mm -hmm. And we kind of just basically led our own individual lives. And we would reconvene, like, on a Sunday to watch TV. So our marriage was really great. (laughs) And at that time, my insecurities were just becoming at an all-time high. Yeah, would you say um, it kind of goes back to missing out on connecting together at church and through prayer and just that kind of started to grow apart? Absolutely, yeah. Like, we had no... The way we met and how connected we were through Christ was completely gone. We were totally two different people. Mm -hmm. I became this jealous person 
and I would question him with any female he was around. And I started trying to seek attention from other men when I would go out to nightclubs with my girlfriends with, with no intention of cheating on him, but just wanted some validation and mm-hmm. just let it get to the p- point of flirting. And we were just being so selfish. Mm-hmm. And we, and I threatened divorce twice, but there was just no Christ in our life. And it was just focused on ourselves and how yeah. were we being fulfilled individually and not caring about one another at all. Yeah. So you guys were kind of living these separate lives. Um, did that, and you talked about um, threatening divorce a couple times. Was separation a really uh, real option for you guys at that point? Uh, in my head, it was never really something I wanted to go through. It was more of just a threat to get his attention, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. Um, so I would throw that word out there, hoping that it wouldn't take bait and it would actually happen because I was so dependent on him. But um, there were just a lot of moments of just, is this my breaking point? Yeah. I know, like, he, like, I think the rock bottom of that part of it was when he was out on a business trip and I had my first anxiety attack and I actually called 911 because I thought I was having a heart attack. So mm-hmm. I was so worried about what he was doing that it was physically, like, affecting me. So it yeah. was just... I mean, I wasn't being a perfect wife, but the man I fell in love with was not the person I was married to anymore. So it was just this hard, hard season that we were working through. Yeah. Um, Can you talk a little bit about the hardship of that for you and maybe some of the things that you were experiencing and some of the thoughts that were going through your head at that point? You talk about insecurity and wondering what he was doing, but maybe really share with um, because there's some people out there who are probably maybe experiencing the same thing right now of separation. And um, what was that season like for you? I mean, it was rock bottom, right? So It really was. Um, I mean, for me, it was just the, the insecurities constantly resurface when I am not being validated and when Christ isn't in my life. So I was really just trying to get his attention, trying to like wake him up and be like, I need you. I love you. I want to make this work, but you're yeah. you're gone. So, um, just just a constant like like I said, the jealousy and all these things that I never thought were in my personality traits were hmm. such a high. And so it was like, am I not pretty enough? Am I not thin enough? Am I not a good enough wife? All these these doubts start to to consume you. Yeah, for sure. What perhaps got you through that. I mean, so um, you guys didn't get a divorce. Let's start there. Right. What happened next in your journey? So Blake had some job opportunities that would require him to move out of state. And so at first I was completely against that. And I thought, well, he can go and I'm just going to stay here in the comfort of the people I know, my family, yeah. my friends were all in Minnesota. So I was going to stay. And that was, that was, something I had to just come to terms with. So I actually just held on to starting to pray again. And it had been a really long time. So I was just praying, God, like, what am I supposed to do? Yeah. And the Holy Spirit shook me. And I really heard loud and clear that I needed to save my marriage. Mm. It was such an amazing experience where I reluctantly wanted to stay behind, but I was just being pushed and I was told just follow your husband because he, 
He wanted you to be happy and move to Minnesota. So now it's your turn to move and fulfill whatever he needs to do. So um, we just packed up and we moved into a tiny loft in Denver and we had nobody but each other. Mm-hmm. So we had to kind of start all over again and rely yeah. on one another. And so within a month, um, Blake got asked by a coworker to go to church and we just decided to give it a shot. And it was this old barn at the back of a theme park. <laughs> and so the first sermon was about tithing. So the guy who invited us was mortified. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, I mean, as awkward as it was, we were like, well, we'll give it a shot again because the music was great and it was kind of a fun vibe. So we went again and then they started this marriage series. Mm-hmm. And from that, it was just like... We just dove right back into church. We started praying together. We started serving together. And it was just this falling back in love because God was in our life. Mm, it was just this amazing thing. So Yeah. And so you're at that point, um, your marriage started to transform. And um, talk a little bit about what that looked like. Was What was some of the maybe conversations or healing that had to take place in that season? Well, we were just really open and vulnerable with each other, and we really started to, while we're serving others, like, serving each other. So, it was really about, like, loving one another without the expectation of being, like, served or loved in return, Mm -hmm. because we were both just wanting what was best for each other, and we were both putting God first. So, for me to watch Blake putting God first before himself or myself was just such a beautiful experience so it just made me like appreciate the man that he is and to not judge him for the things that he was doing in the past but to see the growth and like everything that he's trying to do so that's awesome what um did you learn about yourself in that season um and maybe a little bit if you learned anything about Blake or life in general like What was God teaching you? Well, I think for sure it was just, I can't love myself or anyone else for that matter if, if God isn't my number one. Mm. And I know that like the enemy always tries to sneak in and he still tries to like attack me with those insecurities that I have, whether it's like me looking in the mirror and not happy with all the baby weight I didn't lose or for like that always feeling of being uninvited by friends or whatever so that that's where I see those attacks but now I know to just instantly like rely on God and he's going to take that all away and so it's just been like this beautiful like peace that has come into my life and I know that I am beautiful and I know I'm a good wife and I'm a good mother and (laughs) a good friend so (laughs) and just sorry I get emotional all the time but watching God put watching Blake put God first um and to pray over my daughter now is amazing because I want her sorry to to um, feel beautiful and know God loves her so to see my husband praying those things over her is just beautiful yeah Sorry. <laughs> I'm sure it's one of the most beautiful mm-hmm. things. I mean, I can't wait, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure little love tank full. Oh, yeah. yeah. You don't know. I don't think you know what love is until you have a child. And then when you know Jesus' love for you, it's on a whole new level. So. Yeah. Yeah.
Lindsay struggled with some insecurities and body issues as um, someone who was young in junior high. And to fill that, she turned to eating disorders to try to give some control to that situation, to make herself feel better about herself, to um, somehow fill that emptiness that she was experiencing and struggled with that for many years. But then she found Christ, um, actually through her now husband, and um, started pursuing Christ and got married. Um, But then those insecurities started to pop up again. And her and Blake were actually um, on the brink of divorce before God kind of um, shook her and she had to make a change. So um, that's her story, but let's find out where she is today. So today, Blake and I are in a really good season. Uh, we have our one-and-a-half-year-old daughter, Natalie, who keeps us on our toes. <laughs> she's, she's so cute. She's a spitfire. <laughs> um, but yeah, adding kids into the mix is just this whole new ball game. I am really grateful that God made me wait those seven years, even though I really wanted to have a baby right after we got married. Mm-hmm. Um, I just know that if we would have had her seven years ago, that things would have been totally different. So I'm just really grateful that we waited for her and we moved to Castle Rock and we found a local church. So we really love our new church and we dove like headfirst into getting involved and Blake leads a men's Bible study and I am leading a faith Facebook club. And so we've just really surrounded ourselves with this great fellowship and great community of believers. So we've just been having a great time and our family prays together all the time and I can't stress like yeah. how important and beautiful that is. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Well, if there's one thing you had to leave our listeners with, what would that be? Really just trust in God's plan for you and put him first. Um, there's a reason that you're going through a hard season, that dark season in your life. And when you're in the thick of it, you don't know why. But um, his timing, you're going to look back and you're going to see that God's imprint was all over that situation that yeah. you're going through. And it's going to turn out better than you would have ever planned it. So it's so true. Yeah. <laughs> well, Lindsay, thank you for sharing your story today and being on the show. Thank you so much, Brittany. Today you got a peek into the story of a person who went through a difficult situation, one many might relate to. If you do, and even if you don't know what that situation is like, but perhaps you can relate to some of the feelings, be encouraged to know that your story doesn't end with the difficult situation. It's a scene in your story, but not the end of your story. Next week we'll have another story of redemption that will no doubt encourage and motivate you. Josh Kingry, currently a youth pastor at Red Rocks Church, We'll be sharing his own story of living for this world and finding out that it's not all it's cracked up to be. Thank you for joining me today. If this podcast is something that is ministering to you or you think others might find interesting, please subscribe on iTunes and leave a review. A review helps this podcast grow, which helps to get the word out to people who might need to hear this story of redemption. You can find more information about me, read weekly devotionals, and find out what I'm doing around the web at www. I'll see you next time.